Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of a Shabbat sermon by Rabbi Adam Kligfeld. This last week, we watched a movie that had been on our list for quite some time. It's called About Time. Anyone seen it? About Time? Raise your hand. Anyone? A few? I can't believe we hadn't seen it before. It was made by the same people who made Love Actually, and we love Love Actually, and we finally had the time to see About Time. I hope I won't give too much away when I say that the movie is half rom-com, half science fiction-y and time travel You find that out in the first scene, so I'm not giving anything away. And the moral of the story that the protagonist figures out by the end of the movie as he is able to go back to days that he had lived his life and live them again, now with a perspective he wished he had the first time. This wonderful fantasy of being able to go back to yesterday and do yesterday better. Now that you realize how yesterday should have gone, not in terms of the things that happened, but how you reacted to them, could we do all of our yesterdays over again? The wonderful secondary punchline is, why not do that the first time? Once you know how you wish you had lived yesterday, why does that not translate immediately into how you will live tomorrow? And what the movie plays with is that doing so is critical and it's possible to pull up and watch your life like an eagle From that perspective, so many things can change. Also this week, the Israeli singer Eviatar Banai, who has one of the more interesting life stories of a popular musician in Israel, he told the following story at a concert, and it's akin to the punchline of the movie. He said that when he was young, he had a deep sense of the emptiness of life. And he went with his family one day to a hotel on the Dead Sea. And when he came down to the dining hall, he saw everyone sitting in their morning clothes and robes. And he felt that everything was absurd and empty. And much of his early musical art was about conveying that sense of the emptiness and the futility and the silliness of life. And then he got older. And he himself changed and he grew. And he became a Balchuva. He came back to religious life and he built a family. And he found himself a few years ago at a hotel on the Kinneret, the Sea of Galilee. He says that his son and he snuck out together. They got a hookah and they smoked together late into the night. The next morning he got up groggy, his throat sore, and he came down to the dining hall and saw people in their morning clothes and eating breakfast. And it seemed beautiful to him and full of life. Just that. Families sitting in a hotel cafeteria and eating together. And then he understood that he could retell the story of his own life all over again. And this time, recount what had once seemed empty to him as something that was actually full of meaning and beauty. And that's what he was trying to do now with his music. The movie and the story by Ehud, by Ivyatar Banai, they're onto something. Something 
which I think is simultaneously simple and profound. It's simple to understand each time you think of it and profoundly hard to stay with it, to import it, to have it make a difference in your life. And what is that simple, profound thing? It's that some shifts in life have to do with real circumstances, achievements, a better job, a healthier relationship, sufficient funds. Those metrics and those real situations, they matter. But some shifts in life have to do with the thinnest and also most profound of veils, replacing a prism of doom with a prism of light. Sometimes all of life, the life that you're living now, and the way that you see the life that you have lived, changes just by looking at things a little bit differently, like an eagle. Maybe that's the cleanest way of reading Parshat Shlach Lecha, which we read this morning. When you think about those ten scouts and spies who said no, and the two who said yes, what was really different between them? What were they arguing about? What's the difference between someone saying, Lo nuchal, we cannot do it, and someone else looking at the exact same set of data and saying, Nuchal, we can do it. One Hasidic read focuses on how the different scouts approached their mission rather than what they actually saw. How they permitted and pushed themselves to actually see what was present. No more and no less. It's commenting on the 13th chapter of Midbar verses 17 and 18 when Moshe is actually given the instruction for them to go into the land. And the Torah says, Vaishlach otam Moshe, Moshe sent them, Latur at Eretz Kanaan to go tour around the land of Canaan, Vayomer Alehem, he said to them, Aluzeba Negev, go up into the Negev desert, Vaalitem et Hahar, and rise up to the mountain. It's a definite object. The mountain? What mountain? Uritem et Haaretz Mahi, and see the land Mahi. What is it? See the land, what is it? Two questions this Hasidic text asks on that verse. Number one, why were they told to go up to the mountain and which mountain is it? And what does mahi mean? What is it? Go see what it is. But what else would they see besides what it is? Rabbi Yehuda Eger, who's a 19th century master in Lublin, says it's as if Moshe was telling the scouts this and only two of them really listened. See the land of Israel from the perspective of the generations from the view of eternity, which you can only get to in the air of a summit, of an apex, from high up on a mountain, find your view from ascent. And that's how you'll find your view of holiness. And my colleague, Rabbi, Rabbi Amy Eilberg, writing on the same theme, writes, from the grand perspective at the top of the mountain, with awareness of the role of this land in the history of the people, and in the heart of God, from that height they would know that they could overcome the challenges on the ground. But instead, most of the spies were overwhelmed by fear. They saw only the lowly, limited perspective. Reading the story through that prism, perhaps what Shlach Lecha really celebrates is not the actual status of the land of Israel, but the status of the people of Israel. 
their consciousness pulled up to the perspective of an eagle saying, yes, we can do this. Again, Rabbi Eilberg writes, perspective makes all the difference. How much of our lives do we live stuck at the foot of the mountain, able only to see how large are the challenges we face and how great are the risks? This era, by the way, even more so. From this place, we feel ourselves diminished like a small child in, full of a room, full of a, in a room full of adults. We feel ourselves dwarfed and overwhelmed. It's only when we are able to climb, quote, to the top of the mountain, the place of broader perspective, that we can see possibilities in the midst of threat, opportunities in the midst of challenge. Only in the expanded state of mind can we find ourselves saying, we can do it. Now, we don't know what will change a perspective. Sometimes we think that a trip or a vacation will do it. But there are no guarantees. We all know the phrase, wherever you go, there you are. You're in a new place, but you still have yourself and your emotions and your restrictions. Sometimes a life event triggers an epiphany. How long does it really linger? Sometimes we meet someone and we say, I want to be more like that person and have her perspective. Or the opposite. We get exposed to someone and we say, I vow never to look at life the way he does. But it's hard to maintain and it's hard to sustain. Or sometimes we hear a Dvar Torah reminding us that this shift is critical and it's possible. And simply put, it can change life, any life for the better. My dear friend, Rabbi Barry Katz, and I were discussing these themes this week and he noticed that Caleb, Kalev, one of the two uh, scouts who comes back with a positive report, the other one was Joshua. Joshua we know a ton about. Joshua becomes uh, Moshe's second-hand man. Joshua is involved in the conquest of the land of Canaan. Kalev we know very, very little about besides this scene. One of the few things we actually know specifically about this guy, aside from this scene, happens in the book of Joshua, from which Hannah read before in the Haftarah. When they finally get to the land of Canaan, the conquest is over, Kalev, Caleb, asks for a plot of land. Where does he ask for a plot of land? In the hills of Judea. And where within the hills of Judea does this former scout ask to live? In the town of Hebron, one of the highest areas in the region, higher even than Jerusalem by several hundred feet. Why? Why does this guy want to live up there? Perhaps Rabbi Katz suggests he's a from-the-hills person. He's a bird's-eye-view person. He wants to continue to see the land and reality from up there, out of the weeds, from the heavens, from the perspective of the Holy One. Kind of like looking into your child's face the way you imagine God might do so. There's a wonderful midrash from earlier on in the story, from the 24th chapter of the book of Exodus, and this has to do with when Moshe is being given instructions by God to go get the tablets from the top of the mountain. And God says to Moshe, by Yomrel Moshe, God says to Moshe, Ale Eli, come up to me, ascend, hahara, to the mountain, veheyesham. Again, an odd redundancy. Come up to the mountain and be there. The midrash says, where else would he be? 
but up there, if that's where Moshe is being instructed to go. And the Midrash resolves, lots of people get to the top of the mountain and have no idea that they are there. Is there a more tragic way to live one's life, to waste one's life? For unlike the movie, we only go through it once. We were brought out from slavery on eagle's wings. We should live a life and see life with God with eagle's eyes. From up there, where things are possible and the land can be good and people eating breakfast in a dining hall is a beautiful thing and the mundane is holy and life feels like life. You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple Podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Beth Am Los Angeles, go to tbala.org.